Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Scripture today is Romans 6, verses 1 through 14. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin still live in it any longer? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God." For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. of the 21st century is the obsession of people with makeovers. We indulge in body makeovers, improving houses, restoring old cars, and buying the latest technologies we think will improve our lives. When it comes to makeovers, friends, it's very important to understand that there is nothing in Christian experience or salvation that has to do with improvement or makeovers. Listen, this is a very important principle. Christianity is about total transformation. 
the New Testament speaks of believers having a new mind, a new will, a new heart, a new wisdom, new perception, new understanding, new righteousness, and new love. Our problem is that many people in the modern world want results and they want them quickly. Even many pastors and churches today have developed doing life strategies, recipes for makeovers, overcoming problems that are shallow and short-lived. The Christian life is construed as a program, something to do rather than as putting on Christ. The result is that sadly many modern Christians are not deeply grounded saints. They are not rooted and built up on the foundations of our most holy faith. Church programs produce a shallow, superficial Christianity. God's way is different. Being deeply rooted and grounded in Christ himself produces robust saints of the cross. In our text today, a very important text, Romans 6, 1-11, the Apostle Paul challenges this modern pragmatic outlook and beckons us to look deeply at the foundations of the Christian faith. Romans leads us down deep into the roots of godliness so that we begin to focus on being instead of doing. We stop building our lives around programs and seminars and superficial solutions and actually learn to become people with unshakable life, strength, holiness, wisdom, and love. Let's look carefully at these verses together and try to follow Paul's argument. Verse 1 asks the question, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? If the more we sin, the more of God's grace we receive, then nothing is better than to keep on sinning so that more and more grace will come. Now, dear friends, this is a complete misunderstanding of both grace and the gospel. Tragically, there are some modern Christians who believe that the gospel gives them a makeover, that it is a resource to help them do whatever they want. They think they can freely engage in lifestyles, relationships, and practices that God expressly forbids and continue to claim that they are believers and part of the church. Paul's argument in Romans 6 is that anyone who thinks this way shows that he has never yet become a new creation in Christ. Such a person is deceived, thinking they are saved when they really are not. They haven't yet begun to understand the gospel. Life in sin cannot coexist with death to sin. Verse 1 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? That is, are we to go on sinning because forgiveness is guaranteed through the death of Christ? Paul's answer in verse 2 is, May it never be. Absolutely not. We are forbidden to go on sinning that grace may increase. Why not? Because since we have died to sin, we cannot go on living in it. Now, what does you have died to sin mean? And what does 
you can't go on living in sin mean? First, let's remember that Romans 5 teaches us that the death of the Lord Jesus Christ is representative and inclusive. In his death, we all died. Jesus bore our sins in his own body on the cross. For what purpose? In order that those whom God has called to faith in Christ may live the rest of their lives as wholly changed, regenerated people. God tells us that we must sink our roots deeply into his foundational truth, specifically the foundational truth of Romans 6 in order to flourish as believers, in order to actually live the life to which God has called us. Let's tackle our first question. What does Paul mean when he says that we have died to sin? There are four ways in which believers die to sin. The first is that the believer has died to sin in a juridical legal sense when God in his great mercy and grace decided to take upon himself our sins in the person of his son on the cross. The second way the believer died to sin was in his baptism. Baptism is the work of the Holy Spirit by which Christ's death for sins becomes my death and his resurrection becomes my risen life. In the Bible, baptism is a decisive sacramental event by which a man is powerfully and unequivocally claimed by God. To be baptized means to be saved from the evil world system which operates without reference to God. When you go down into the water, you are cleansed from the evil of sin, and when you rise up out of the water, you are a new transfigured person within. Baptism is likened to Noah and the ark. Noah entered the safety of the ark and was saved from God's judgment against sin. Baptism is a definite conscious break with the old way of life and entrance by faith into a whole new way of life in Christ. Third, Christians are called to die daily and hourly to sin by mortifying the sinful nature and rising daily and hourly to newness of life in obedience to God. This is the moral sense of dying to sin. Finally, Christians will die completely to sin ultimately and irrevocably at Christ's second coming when they will be raised to resurrection life in eternity. This might be called the eschatological sense of dying to sin. Now, each of these four senses of dying to sin flow from the previous one and culminate in the final one. Paul says in verse 3 and 4 that baptism is the sign of our dying to sin. Don't you know that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Probably the most important verse in helping us understand this truth is verse 5. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, 
certainly we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. What Paul is saying here is that for believers, there is a union with Christ. Look at the words, we have become united with him in the likeness of his death. There is a union between Christ and Christians so that what happened to Christ is counted by God as happening to us. His death is our death. God establishes this union. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, But by God's doing, you are in Christ Jesus. God establishes a union between believers and Christ in a way that makes it fitting for him to count Christ's death to be our death. This is our death with Christ in the legal sense. This death is something historic and once for all. It is applied to us now through our faith when we believe upon Christ and are baptized. Now, Paul confirms this truth in verse 6. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. Verse 6 says, the old self was crucified. My old self is the me that was rebellious against God. It is the me that was insubordinate to God's law and blind to God's glory. It is the me that was unbelieving towards Christ and his promises. This old self was crucified with Christ. This is the whole message and import of Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. When Christ died, God counted the old sinful me as dying with him on the cross. Now verse 8 confirms this truth. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. So the foundational teaching of these verses is that there is a union between believers and Christ. This is Paul's answer to the first question, what does you have died to sin mean? We died to sin when Christ died on the cross because of our vital union with him. You are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson, bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Let's continue our lesson. 
Now, the second question is, what does Paul mean that you can't go on living in sin? Since we have died with Christ, we can't continue living in sin. Paul is not saying that the believer after he is baptized will never sin again. What he is saying is that after your baptism into Christ, you cannot continue going on in a deliberate pattern of sin. Living in it corresponds to the question in verse 1. Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? The answer is no. We cannot go on with an unchanged pattern of sin in our lives. Verse 6 says our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Being crucified with Christ means that we are not slaves to sin. It is possible to temporarily fall into sinful attitudes and actions without sin being your overarching master. As verse 14 says, For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law but under grace. Let's remind ourselves of a crucial truth of the Christian life. Sin is the great exception to the rule of holiness. When the believer sins, it is an aberration to the norm. The norm is holiness and godliness of life as the Holy Spirit controls us. The aberration, the temporary abnormality, is to fall into sin. But any true believer will quickly recognize his sin, turn away from it, repent of it, and throw himself back into the arms of his loving Savior. So let's summarize what we have learned so far. Our death with Christ and our freedom from sin. In Christ, that is in our union with Christ that God established, we are dead to sin. Meaning this, in our truest position and our truest identity, we are completely and finally dead to sin. This is an amazing reality, dear friends. It is our status if we are truly regenerated by the Holy Spirit. This tremendous truth is the foundation for all our warfare against sin and all our progress in holiness. However, the Christian life is an already and a not yet experience of this sinless position and identity with Christ. What happened to Christ Jesus historically and finally and to us in him is worked out in daily experience progressively as we die to sin and live to righteousness. We are already forgiven and declared righteous in our union with Christ by God and already delivered from slavery to sin. And we are already able by faith to grow more and more triumphant over sin. But the problem is we are not yet perfected in our daily earthly experience. We must work out in reality what God has worked in by faith. We must fight the fight of faith and become in experience by faith what we are perfectly in our union with Christ. Paul puts it like this in Philippians 3.12. 
Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Do you see the already and the not yet in this verse? Christ has already laid hold of Paul for perfection and everlasting blessing. Now, Paul confirms that great work of God in Christ by laying hold of that for which he was laid hold of by Christ. Paul must do his part in obedience to the one who has already done his part. Listen to what St. John Chrysostom says in his writing on this passage. What does baptism into his death mean? It has to do with our dying as he did. We do this by our baptism, for baptism is the cross. What the cross is to Christ, baptism is to us. Christ died in the flesh, we have died to sin. Both are deaths and both are real. But if it is real, what is our part? What must we contribute? Paul goes on to say, As Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Do you believe that Christ was raised from the dead? Believe the same of yourself. Just as his death is yours, so also is his resurrection. If you have shared in the one, you shall certainly share in the other. As of now, the sin is done away with. Paul sets before us a demand to bring about a newness of life by a changing of our habits. For when the fornicator becomes chaste, when the covetous person becomes merciful, when the harsh becomes subdued, a resurrection has taken place, a prelude to the final resurrection which is to come. How is it a resurrection? It is a resurrection because sin has been mortified and righteousness has risen in its place. The old life has passed away and new life is now being lived. But tears come into my eyes when I think of how much Paul is asking of us and how little we have changed after our baptism. We have yielded ourselves to sin, going back to the old ways that we lived before. We undergo a change for only 10 or 20 days after our baptism, but then take up former things again. But we must see that it is not for a few days that we are required to change, but rather for a whole lifetime. Let us leave this strange land of sin where we have been drawn away from the Father. For our Father has a natural yearning towards us and will honor us if we are changed. But how to go back again? Start back by avoiding vice. By going no further into it, and you have already come home. When a person who is sick does not get any worse, it is a sign that he is getting better. And so is the case with vice. Go no further, and your deeds of wickedness will have an end. The Christian life is about something that happened once for all and something that is happening every day. If you are a Christian, 
God created a union between you and Christ, as verse 5 says. He planted you with Christ deep down into his death and resurrection for you. Because of this union, you died with Christ when he died. Because you died, you are now free from sin in your fullest and truest identity. And because of this unshakable position and identity, you are already justified and you are most certainly being sanctified. But you have not yet reached perfection. Therefore, you must cooperate with Christ by confirming the truth of these things. And how do you do that? Look at verse 11. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the stupendous project of the Christian life. We must reckon to be true what God says is true. We must actually put on Christ in daily experience. Author C.S. Lewis says this so well that I will quote him in an extended quotation. The Christian idea of putting on Christ or dressing up as a son of God is what it means to be a real son of God. Putting on Christ is not one of many jobs a Christian has to do. It is the whole of Christianity. Christianity offers nothing else at all. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. Hand over your whole natural self, all the desires which you think innocent as well as the ones that you know are wicked, the whole outfit. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own will shall become yours. Listen, dear friends, this is glorious good news. In Christ, you are not given a makeover. In Christ, you do not receive a restoration. You are transformed. You are changed. You are transfigured into a whole new creature in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now we have the great privilege of putting off vices and putting on virtues. Putting off what our Orthodox brothers call the passions and putting on the new virtues of the Holy Spirit that God requires. This is exciting, my friends. This is exhilarating. This is the privilege and glory of being a Christian. Amen. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. You've been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. 
That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener-supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint.